0: Praise the Lord, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to the church, amen. Come on, we can keep saying that all day long. All right. So <clears throat> this morning, I want you guys just to kind of take a walk with me. Um, I want you to go someplace with me. And it's a place that's not much uh, unlike this place here, but except that it's a different time. All right, we're in a different time it's a, than, than where I want to take you right now. And so I want to take you back a couple of thousand years to a place called synagogue, all right? And, uh, and it's just it's a place where, where, you know, worship would be taking place, not unlike here, all right? Uh, it was a place where community would take a place, not unlike here, where songs and, and prayer and scripture reading and, and exhortation would take place, not unlike here. But if you were to go back here two thousand years ago with me, you it would look a little bit different. All right, on this wall here, there would be these almost like little stadium seating, just a little bit up. All right, and back there, and on this wall here, the same thing, uh, made out of stone, carved stone, and stuff like that. And that was the the seats for uh, you know the important people of the community. All right, the religious leaders and the the town leaders and and uh, the community leaders would be up in these chairs, right, and they. Would be up there and then they you know, and they would kind of be all the way around and maybe right over here we have our more religious and lawyers and, and and you know keepers of the law all right of the scriptures right over here and over here we would have this place where like kind of a like kind of a podium where somebody would come up and uh, and they would read the scriptures and they would pray and they would kind of uh, give a, a sermon on the scriptures as well all right and when we would come in we would come in through maybe over on this side all right and we come Come in through here, and just outside there would be this, this 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 tub of water. All right, this little like not tub, but mainly or like a little pool of water where we would ceremonial clean ourselves and, and get rid of all the craziness in our mind, Right? And so I, I want you to kind of go there with me. And down here, man, down here would be the seats for the common people. This is where we would probably sit. I know I would probably be down here. All right? And it was it was like um like like flagstone and dirt, and there wasn't actually seats. It would just sit down on the floor kind of thing, all right, and, and I would gladly sit there with you, man, and, and it would take place on a day called Sabbath day. All right? and it'd be that day man where we'd have to we'd come in man and you know it was that day of the week where there's no work man nobody's working it's kind of the law nobody's out there you know their businesses aren't open and stuff like that all right it's that one day of week where we can actually just kind of rest and re and connect with God and that's the purpose that we would come into this place we would come in here all right to connect with God all right And it would, and it would take a little bit of us you know a little bit to clear our minds all right and, and I'm asking you to kind of do this with me because I know you know, uh, some of you it might be easy to kind of engage in this story with me. Others might take a little bit of work because we come in here filled with stuff. All right? And, and I just want to challenge you just to kind of, just kind of empty yourself and just kind of come into this place with me. All right? As we sit here into this place on this Sabbath day, this one day of the week where we can pretty much guarantee that nobody expects anything from us, no work from us. Right? Can you imagine that? <laughs> Probably not. All right? <laughs> All right? And so, and so I want to get in here with you. And I came to synagogue with you, right? And, and, and you know, though I'm up here, I I'm, imagine I'm, I'm, I'm with you down on the floor. Because we've been hearing about this guy named Jesus. We've been hearing some stuff about him. We don't really know who he is. A lot of us have never seen him or heard him, but we've been hearing some pretty wild stories. And it just so happens he's teaching today. All right, and we come into synagogue and we sit here with him, right, on this day and we start listening and this guy starts just laying it down. He's speaking these words from scripture that we know is scripture, but he's like, the way he's saying it, it sounds like he wrote it. You know, The way he's talking, the way he's teaching, it sounds like it's the first time we've ever heard it for some reason. And we know we've heard this stuff before, right? But for some reason, it, it feels like it's the first time that we've ever heard him or heard this being spoken. And, it, and it's just quite amazing. And even, you know, while we're sitting here in the seats, we're talking, you know, just whispering to the people next to us, can you believe this guy? This is amazing. I feel like I just, I feel like I've never heard this before. And we're tripping, man, you know, just kind of how, the way he's presenting, but, but we, all of a sudden, it we are, we are, catches our attention, these seats over here. And these, it seems like these guys are not vibing with him. These religious leaders are just not, it seems like they're not, they're not engaged. As a matter of fact, they look kind of angry. And then they're watching him, but you could tell they're not watching him to learn. They're watching him for other reasons. You can't quite put your finger on it, man. And you're trying not to watch these guys. <clears throat> you're trying not to, 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 to focus because this is good. But it seems that they're looking at him and they keep looking right over here at, at Dan. And you know Dan, right? We've known him ever since we've, we've been here in the community. He's, he's got this arm that just is just kind of like stuck on his side. And it doesn't move and it's always right there, and we know Dan, man, you know what I mean, and it's cool, with me because we know Dan is pretty cool, because he doesn't really ask for a lot of handouts, or doesn't, he doesn't have these pity parties and stuff like that, matter of fact, he tries to work the best he can with that other arm, and so when we see Dan, we always try to give him, you know, you know some, something to help him out with, you know what I mean? And these guys keep looking at Dan and looking at him, and now it's getting our attention. You see, and, and it's hard not to get up. I'm staying in the seat with you guys, okay? I'm here on the floor with y'all, right? Praise the Lord. And, so, and it's like funny, like not, not, well, it's kind of a trip that, that they're not seeing what we're seeing with this guy. But they just keep looking at him. And they keep looking at Dan. And, and, and it's very visible to us, you know, maybe in the back, you're like, you, you keep seeing them, look at somebody, you don't know it's Dan, but you know he's looking at, they're looking at somebody here, we in the front, we know it's Dan, but Dan's not even, he doesn't see them looking at him, because he's pretty much up front, he's looking at the teacher, and he's just engaged, and we're wondering what in the world is going on here, and finally the teacher, He's done teaching. And he looks at, now he, the whole time, I didn't see him look once at those guys. He was looking at us. And then he looks at them. And we watch him look at them. And they peer at him. And he, it was kind of like quiet, uncomfortably quiet for a minute. And you and me were both thinking, man, can we just go? I kind of got, I got this burrito. It's hanging out on my donkey right now outside. I've really been waiting to get out there and eat that puppy. All right. And we just want to go. We know it's over, but something else is happening. And all of a sudden, he breaks the silence and he looks right at these guys and he says, Is it lawful? He looks at them and he looks at the keepers of the law, the readers of the law, the declarers of the law, all right, the examples of the law. These guys, we kind of look up to these guys in the community because usually they're pretty much on point, it seems. And he looks at them and he says, Is it lawful? All right, is it, is it lawful to, to do good or to, or to do evil on the Sabbath, to heal on the Sabbath? And there's quietness. He says, is it lawful to, to save a life? And we're like, in our minds, we're like, yes. Or, destroy, or to destroy on the Sabbath. And we're like, where is he going with this, right? I mean, we're just, it's kind of getting uncomfortable in here. And then he takes his eyes off them and he looks right at Dan. And it trips us out, man. Hey, I mean, he, he, when he was looking at them, you could tell he was very disappointed in them. for some reason he was disappointed, but it wasn't the kind of disappointed, disappointment like he wanted to just you know, beat them up or something. He looked at them with a disappointment and a concern and even a care. He was looking at those guys. Even though they didn't care, for some reason it looked like he cared about them and he looked at dan and we're looking at him and we're looking at dan and all of a sudden dan realizes he's the teacher's looking right at him and he tells dan get up and come and stand right here now at first we we, we say no don't don't do it dan don't do it, man. This is crazy. We don't, not, this doesn't happen in synagogue, right? We're not used to this. He's telling Dan, get up and stand right here. We don't do it. But then we look at him and we look at his eyes and the way he's looking at Dan. And we're like, how, oh my gosh, how could you not get up? If I was Dan, I would run to him right now and jump in his arms. Here I am. Catch me. Right? And Dan gets up. And what's even crazier is the teacher steps out from around the podium and meets Dan right there in the middle. And we're looking like, what is going on here? What is happening? And he tells Dan, he looks in his eyes, and he says, so so genuinely, so sincerely, so lovingly, He tells Dan, stretch out your hand. (laughs) Immediately, we're freaking out, man, because we know Dan has never stretched out his hand for nothing. He's never reached for anything with that hand. I remember when we were hanging out and a spider was right by Dan. And I'm like, Dan, there's a spider by you. He couldn't even reach to smack that spider. I remember when we were eating and there were some really good nachos we were just getting down with, man, and they were on this side and Dan really wanted, I had to hand them to Dan. He couldn't reach for them. I remember when Dan wanted to hug his mother and he could only hug her with one arm. He couldn't reach with that other arm. I remember, and you're telling him to stretch out his hand and it's kind of cruel, man. We're thinking, right? there's something in his eyes it just communicates that what we think might be impossible is extremely possible with this guy and dan can't take his eyes off of his eyes and then it freaks us out man dan he he reaches he stretched out that hand i have seen in the same position since we were in the second grade i remember dan nothing And he stretches it out, and it just becomes whole and complete. And for the first time, the very first time that Dan ever reached with that hand, he reached for this guy, Jesus. And it was insane. And we just all wanted to jump up. We're all standing up now. Everybody's just trying to see what's going on as Dan is reaching for Jesus. And then so many of us look at the guys, man. We're like, what do you think about that? we're surprised because they still look so angry and then we can hear them saying we're going to get this guy we're going to get this guy we're going to get rid of him we're going to figure this out man we're going to get rid of this guy he's healing on the Sabbath what is he thinking I got a question for you guys Think about this. Is it ever, a, is it ever, a wrong time to do the right thing? Think about it. Think about it. Is there ever a wrong time to do the right thing, man? When I when I, I reached out to our sermon prep team with that with that question, and. Um, we narrowed it down to this because it was like, well, you know, what, you know saying the wrong, right thing at the wrong time, you know, you know, disciplining your kids out of anger, they need to, you know, I, you know, there's just all these just variables. Is there ever a wrong time to do the right thing? And no, no, there, there's never a wrong time because, you know, then we would, it would be the wrong thing. And, and I just think it depends on you. It depends on you. It depends on the one who's being asked the question, is there ever a wrong time to do the right thing? I remember when I was, um, you know, when I first gave my life to Christ, that very first year I was working really hard on being a uh, an upstanding, solid Christian, <laughs> all right, a presentable Christian, one that, you know, a Christian that can just, you know, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be, I want to have a, 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 you know, just a, a really good, solid presence of being a man of God, and it was, it was, it was, I was taking it a little bit far a lot of different times, maybe a little bit too far when I told my kids, you have to crush those CDs, we don't listen to that in here, all right, it was kind of crazy, all right, I, got, I had that period of time where I was just kind of freaked out, right, you know, a minute. And I remember, you know, trying to present myself as as this solid Christian. And uh, and I've told you guys, you know, how I don't hand out, I don't like to hand out money a lot, you know, to people that are hurting on the side of the road. I try to figure different things out. All right, let's go buy them some food. Let's you know, let's go, let's go get what they need, you know, stuff like that, rather than handing out cash. There'll be sometimes I actually will, but it depends on how the Lord leads. Well, there's a bigger story to that. You see, in that first year that I gave my life to Christ, I wanted to present myself as this very solid man of God to my church to my community to my you know to people around us and stuff like that and i was uh coming out of bashes in tucson one day all right and i'm walking out of bashes and uh, as i walk out this guy comes up to me and he has he has a gas can right he has a gas can and he's like hey man he goes you got money for some gas he goes can you help me out with some money for some gas all right, and I look at him, and it looks like his cat needs some cash. I mean, he just, he looks like he's been through it. You know what I mean? And he's got an empty gas can. It's about a two and a half gallon gas can, all right? And this was back when it didn't cost your whole paycheck, you know, to fill your tank. All right? And so I'm looking at him. I says, okay, what's going to fill that gas can? I look at it, and I think, you know what? Five bucks ought to do it, right? Five dollars. It's a two and a half gallon. He should have some money left over. Five bucks should take care of this gas, all right? And so I pull out my, some money. I give him a $5 bill. Now, here you go, brother. Here you go. Fill it up. And he says, thank you. And what do we Christians say when somebody says thank you for something like that? What do we say? No, thank you, Jesus. You say, no, th- thank the Lord, <laughs> right? Thank the Lord. He told me to give you that $5. <laughs> okay. Thank Jesus because he told me to do it. So there you go. Make sure you thank him. All right. The guy walked away. But what caught me is that he started walking that way and right across the street is the Circle Cave gas station. And I'm looking, I'm like, where's this guy going? And he's walking through the parking lot. And I thought, if this guy's gonna ask somebody else for money for gas, you know what I mean? I just gave him enough to to fill that can. And I'm watching him and he's walking and he's walking. Then he curves into the store and he goes into bashes. So I follow him. All right, let's go check this out. So I walk into the store, all right, and I look for the guy with my best Christian look. All right, where's this guy? And then I see him over here on the wall with all the cigarettes. All right? I got no problem with cigarettes. I don't think if you, if you smoke, you're going to hell. You're just going to go to heaven a lot quicker than me. All right? And so I see him over here. He's looking at the wall of all the cigarettes. And he's got the attendant over there helping him get. And he's buying a carton of cigarettes. So I walk up right behind the guy as he's looking at the cigarettes. And with my best Christian voice, I go, hey! Hey! <laughs> Hey, the guy goes like this, the attendant freaked out. And I'm like, it's all right, not you. And I look at the guy and I go, give me my money back. All right. Again, I'm only a year into this at the time, still figuring things out, what it means to be a Christian, how to speak with grace and elegance and stuff like that. Give me my money back. The guy reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a wad of cash. There are 20s in there, 10s, 5s, some 1s, and uh, chains falling on the ground. And he looks at me, and he's like, how much did you give me? 25 bucks. (laughs) I gave you 25 bucks, all right? (laughs) Remember, the Lord told me to do it. And I was like, okay, never mind. I go, you know, I can't do that, (laughs) because that would be the same. I gave you 5 bucks. Give me the five bucks back, man. All right. And then the only thing I could actually think of, he gave me my five back. But the only like legally Christian thing I could say at the point, I couldn't think of anything to say. And I've never even said this before in my life. I've never told my kids this. All right. I looked at him and I said, you are to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I walked out with my five bucks. You know, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time, right? But you know, obviously, at that point, that actually wasn't the right thing to do. And after that, I had to I had to work it out, man. I kind of figured it out on how uh, you know to help people and how to be of service of people without giving up on humanity. You know what I mean? Because that kind of stuff just kind of jades you as we go along, right? You know what I mean? We've kind of been through these different things, and it kind of takes us to these places. I, I so I need to work this out on, you know, on how to help people and not give up on humanity and, and to not only be inspired by the hurt that is in front of me, but by, but by the love of God, the love that God placed in me, All Right. You know, because we we're often very, very inspired by, oh, there's hurt, let's help. There's hurt, let's help, let's hurt, let's help. And then we can get really jaded when, it's not, when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it should turn out. But if we were inspired by the love that God placed in us, I think things might be a little different. I think things might just be a little different. And so when we ask the question, is there ever a wrong time to do the right thing? I think that question deserves another qualifier. Another qualifying question, and that simply is this, what, what does love require of me? You see, we go from the general, is there ever a wrong time to do the right thing? Well, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes. But if we can make this personal and ask, in this moment, what does love require of me? What does it require of me? You see, when, when we... When we uh, Ask better questions. We make better choices. What you think? Check it out. Uh, let's let's pray and, and let's get into our text. Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, and we're so thankful, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, guide us through your word for your glory. Amen. Um, we're still going through the book of Luke, and what I want to share with you that that story I shared of Jesus and. Uh, and Dan, all right, that's that's actually a biblical story. I, I, I embellished it a little bit, uh, but I'd like us just to, to double check this. And we're going to go through the scripture as it actually is presented in the book of Luke. It's also you can find the same story in the book of Mark, chapter three. I'll share a little bit of that in a minute, all right? But let's just take a look at Luke chapter six and let's see how the story actually goes according to the word. It says in Luke chapter six, verse six, it says, "On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogues and was teaching, and a man." was there whose right hand was withered. Now, we gave him the name Dan. Who knows what his name was, all right? And the scribes and the Pharisees, they watched him to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason, all right, to accuse him. They knew that... The the, the scriptures clearly said, these guys knew that he could heal. They knew that he was a miracle worker. They knew that he did these great works, and yet they still wanted to accuse him. It's like like finding out a guy could fly, right? Hey, man, did you know that Fred could fly? Fred is flying. He's flying all over the neighborhood. It's amazing. Come see Fred. And you're the one that says, well, he's not landing in airports. Arrest him. It's crazy we see the way we think sometimes. Let I me mean, ask you a question. Why is it so, you know, why does it seem like you know, we're always looking for reasons to make Jesus not Jesus? Why, why is it so easy to watch him so closely, and yet, yet keep our hearts far from him? Because we want to make Jesus not Jesus, man. I mean, even though we know what we know about Jesus, we still don't want him to kind of be all that Jesus. Even though we know that the history of Jesus is true, we still sometimes don't really want all that Jesus. Even though we know that he changed a lot of lives, we still don't want all that Jesus. Even though that he knew, we know that he could change our lives, we still don't want all that Jesus. Because you know what? And the truth be told, we just don't want to be changed that much. And we have to admit that you know, if, he's, if, he, if he's Lord, and then and then, then all, and I'm all in, you know, then I have to be all his. And maybe I'm just preaching to myself here today. I don't think so, though. The scripture says, but Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand right here. And the guy got up, and he stood there. And I think so many times, man, I mean, he didn't care about the opinion, the public opinion or the leader opinion. He didn't care about anything. He just cared about the question, what does love require of me? Let me ask you this. Why do you think that when we see people in need, sometimes we look for a reason not to help them, even if we know the people? Now, I'm, I'm going to be transparent with you. I do this sometimes. I look, I see, you see hurt, you see pain, you see struggling, man. And you're like, man, you know, I'm just too, I'm too tired. You know what I mean? I'm too tired. Why are you too tired? Well, because I'm too busy. Well, I'm too busy, man. You know what I mean? I'm too busy. I'm busy all the time. I got time. I can't be helping. I just can't slow down enough. I'm just too busy right now. Sorry. All right? I'm just too tired, man. I can't even turn my head to look that way right now. All right? And you know, and I'm talking about even people we know. Why are you so busy? Well, I just got, got to make that money, man. I got to make that money. Why are you so tired? Because I'm over here making that money. And then our other excuses, well, I'm just too broke. Well, how are you broke if you're always so busy and tired making all that money? Or we, just, we just start just tripping ourselves out. Or, or... See, this is, I'm going to share something. This happens to me sometimes. I see people in need that I know really don't need right now. But yet they're playing it off. like, they need, And it kind of just creates this cancer in me that basically, you know, just, just starts to shut everybody out. Man, it creates this twisted mindset. And then when we see people that are really in need, man, we're, Making excuses of why they really don't need any help. And in turn, we become extremely committed to being uncommitted. You see, Jesus knew their thoughts, as he knows mine, as he knows yours. And I think he also knows that we're filtering our service, our care, our pursuit of aiding and helping humanity around us through the filter of love or no love. No love or no love. I mean, we stay with the question, well, what's the right thing to do? Well, and then we start making, well, this is not really right right now, it's not the time. When in fact, we should be asking, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? And then Jesus asked a question in verse nine. He says, I ask you, is it lawful? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or destroy it? What do you think? And it was quiet. Back in 1992, there was a story, all right, that took place in an Orthodox uh, uh, Israel, uh, neighborhood in Israel, all right, and and basically there was a fire that broke out in this apartment complex, and it was on a Sabbath day, and because it was on a Sabbath day, all right, they didn't know whether or not they can call for, for help or not. And so they went to the local rabbi that was actually living in those apartment complexes, asking him, "Hey, man, you know, can we we, can can we call you know the fire department?" And he was struggling with it because the thought process was that if you use the phone, you break an electrical current. All right, and what is taking place there is you're working and you're causing work, and because of your causing work, all right, you know, um, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. And it took this guy about a half hour to say yes, and in that half hour, three buildings. Burnt down to the ground. Because we're bent on asking this question is there ever a wrong wrong time to do the right thing when there's a better question to ask? You see, Jesus' little brother James, right, wrote the book of James. It's an amazing, uh, you know, book in the Bible. And James, in James four seventeen, says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it's a sin. And what does he mean? Well, you're not asking the better question, and the better question is, what does love require of me? <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus, all right, um, qualifies this all when 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 the law, the lawyers and the pro, and the and the um and the Pharisees and the and the scribes and all those people of the law they were challenging him and he was answering them pretty amazingly and he was stumping them with all their test questions and finally one lawyer uh, uh speaks up it's in Matthew 22 and he says this one one of them a lawyer asks him a question to test him he says teacher And we basically saying, we don't have all these laws for nothing. We got over 600 laws in the Old Testament, over 600, man. And they're not there for nothing. They're there on purpose, right? And Jesus is not here to say, no, they don't matter. He's not here to say that. So they challenge Jesus and they say, okay, which, uh, you know, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Over 600. And if you include the New Testament today, there's over 1,000 commandments, and which is the greatest of all of them. And Jesus said without batting, I almost said it again, without batting an eye. Did you, again, do you ever think Jesus batted his eyes? All right, excuse me. Uh, Without batting an eye, all right, Jesus says this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we we could pick that apart. What is my heart? What is my soul? What is my mind? And in another scripture it says, and your strength, all right? But in fact, what he is actually saying holistically, everything you are and everything you know you are and even the things you don't know you are, but you know are there, all right? Love God with all of that. Love God with all of you. When you're, when you're in this life for your life and you're doing your thing for your thing, all right, you're all there. It's all you. You bring the whole you and pour into that. He's saying He says, now I want you to take all of that you, take it all, all right, and pour it into me. Love me. We get really, really bent, man. I'm like, man, God wants too much. He wants this from me. He wants this from me. He wants this from me. Wrong. You know what God wants? One thing. He wants you to love him. That's what God wants. You ever ask the question, what does God want from me? He wants you to love him. It's right here, man. He says it right here. To love him with everything that we are, everything we've been, and everything we will be. He just wants our love. See, the reason we can't give him these other things that we think he wants, all right, is because we don't love him truly with everything we are. And we come up short constantly. And he throws this in the, in the great and first, this is the great and first commandment. He says, the second one is just like it, man, because it follows right behind. I mean, without, without that first one, all right, you can't have this second one, all right? And you know, with this second one, you're going to fall flat because you don't have the first one. He says, the second one is just like it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to love humanity, all right? We're going to talk in a few weeks here, by maybe a couple of months, actually, about you know who is my neighbor and what does that mean, all right? The, the better question is, who's not? humanity. We need to love humanity the way we love ourselves. What are the basics we, we bring to ourselves? We, 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 we love ourselves enough to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, to shelter ourselves, all right, and to, our, to preserve ourselves, all right, and care for ourselves. And I think the reason we have a hard time helping others the way that God has called us is, number one, we don't love him enough, or number two, we don't love them as we love ourselves, It puts a limit on our love and our help and our service for others. And you know what I see a lot of times is I see a lot of people helping others, truly trying to help them. And a lot of times you help people, I see people helping people just because they love themselves. They don't really love the people as they love themselves, but they just love themselves, and they like what they get when they help people, all right? And, I, and I'm not saying helping people is a bad thing, man. Whatever it takes to help people, help people. But you know what? If you want to do it right, if you want to do it perfectly, if you want to do it to where you will never exhaust yourself, to where you'll never run out of gas, all right? Love God first. If you can just love God first, man, if you can love him first with everything you got, loving people and loving humanity, it's gonna be a lot easier. He says, look at verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you would just love God and love people, all those 600 laws and including the New Testament, all those 1,000 laws commandments, no-brainer, no-brainer, man. They're actually going to come out because you're going to be pursuing this question, what does this love require of me? Rather than is it right time to do the wrong, or wrong time to do the right thing, and whatever the case may be. Nah, man, simply put, what does love require? This love right here require of me. And after looking around them, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did. And it was restored. His hand was restored. And these guys are tripping because he did it on a day you're not supposed to do stuff. Well, you know what? Jesus asked them a question that they couldn't answer. Is it lawful Is or unlawful to help, to heal, you know, to save? No answer. Come here, Dan. Boom. Let's do this, brother. Me and you. Nobody else in the room. Just us. Stretch out your hand. And, you know, these guys found fault with him. And we always, you know, uh, at least I see, sometimes I do, I see, people. You know, a lot of times we find fault with Christ or we find fault with God or we find fault with what he's doing. You know, we like, look at him and say, why didn't Jesus share the gospel with him? Why didn't he share the gospel? He, he had a perfect opportunity to share the gospel and share the gospel with everybody else in there. Why didn't he do that? Because he spoke to the need of a human, all right? And that gave him permission to speak to the heart of that human, all right. So many times, if we would recognize when we would speak in love to the human, to the needs of a human, it'll give us the, the the permission in that human's life to speak in love to the heart of that human. I love what Emery was uh, Emery Kincaid and I. We were talking the other day, and she was sharing a story about how a family, a friend of hers, and uh, and her daughter went on a mission trip, you know, to Africa and to the tribes of Africa. And they preached the gospel, and they got kind of a response for preaching the gospel but where they got a huge response was when they gave to the women feminine hygiene products that they needed and they didn't have. They responded to that more than anything. It makes sure you like, wow! If we just start with that, it would have been amazing. And It was already amazing that that happened. That was just amazing because, it kind of opened the door. It kind of showed them, look, we care about you as humans, all right, and we also care about your soul. Now, Debbie and I, we were uh, living in Tucson, in a mountain. I don't know if it's still the case. There was a big homeless community, a huge homeless community, at the bottom of a mountain. This is back in the 90s, and I remember uh, when my first year of being a Christian. You know, we were—I we were, think we actually even skipped church for this one day, and so the pastor had something to say about that. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like you skipped church. <laughs> well, here's what we did. All right, uh, we wanted—you know—people are always saying how you know this is this is horrible. These people came out, and they're always putting them down, making them feel—you know—I uh, probably give a rip whatever they thought, but. You know, and then the churches were like, we need to go share the gospel. And People were like, we're over there. We gave out tracts. We were over there. We gave out, you know, uh, pamphlets. And we were over there, and we gave them things to read in the Bible and stuff like that. But they're not really responding. Well, Debbie and I said, let's go out there. And, and when we were on our way out there. We were like, what are we going to do? I don't know. We stopped at the Sam's Club, and we loaded the cart with toilet paper. And we went out there, um, and we just pulled in the middle of the camp, opened the trunk. Does anybody need toilet paper? Man, people came out. Talk about an audience. They came out. And as they went to reach the toilet paper, everyone went, hey, wait, you got to hear the gospel first. No, we didn't do that. We gave them toilet paper. They went to shake my hand. I was like, oh, you told toilet paper first. Anyways, just kidding. Just kidding. And Jesus, you know, he did this, and in Luke 6, it says, when he did this, they were just filled with fury and discussed with one another what they're going to do to destroy him. And he didn't care what they thought. He didn't care that they weren't going to like him. He, didn't, he wasn't here for public opinion. He was here for love, to show you what love requires, to show you. What love requires, I love what John Wesley says. He says, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell instead of the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? Give me, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna modify that. Give me 100 men or women who fear nothing but sin. All right? And desire nothing to love God with everything that they are. And I will show you a community of men and women who will shake the gates of hell and build, set up the kingdom of God right here on earth. People who are not inspired, only inspired by the hurt in front of them, but by the love that God has placed in them. Amen? These guys were filled with fury. This is a greater violation of the Sabbath than what they were accusing Jesus of. filled with mindless rage, filled with irrational anger, even pathological rage. One thing that you and I can be sure of, you know, we may be known for our opinions, right? You, you may be known for, for all of your opinions. and so, so though you may be known for your opinions, you're going to be remembered for your love or your lack of love. We make ourselves known by our opinion on this and our opinion on that and our opinion on that. But we'll be remembered. You'll be remembered by your friends, by your family, by your children, by your community, by your church. For your love. or lack of it. So what I want you to do You need to ask and answer the question, what does love require? And make it personal of me. I'm going to give you three things that kind of may help you in a catalyst for that kind of thinking. But when you ask the question, what does love require of me? I think, number one, it requires us to really... Truly see people just because they're people, not because they have accomplished this or have done this or are hurting here or hurting there. If we can just see people just because they're people. Without our agendas, without our, our list of stuff, our way that we're going to, you know, without all that. I love what Bob Goff says. He says, Loving people means caring without an agenda. And as soon as you have an agenda, it's not love anymore. So what does love require? Love, it requires us to, to really see people because they're people. It also requires us to empathize, all right, to see their world from their eyes. See their world from their, uh, their, world from their eyes, and you'll see how you can love them. You'll, you'll, you'll know better how to learn to love them. Get in the hole with them. Get into that pit with them or whatever has got them just kind of surrounded at the time. Get in there with them. Don't yell on them on the outside. Hey, come on, get out of there. Get in there with them if they allow you. And if they allow you to get in there with them, thank them for allowing you to be with them. Don't give them all your, 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 your hand-me-down statements or your even your really good Bible verses or whatever the case may be. Just get, there, get in there with them and listen to them. Learn from them. Don't give them all your at least uh, statements. Well, at least this isn't happening or at least this isn't happening or at least you still got this going for you. Don't give them none of that. Get into the hole with them. Thank them for allowing you to be there. Share the hurt and listen to their life. So what does love require of you? It requires you to really see people because they're people. And it requires you to empathize with them. And number three, it requires you to move. It requires you to act on what you learn about them. Why? Because love is a verb. It is an action word. All right. And if love is not moving and it is not active, it is not love. And the longer you hang out with them, the more you will understand how to love them. Amen? So what does love require of you today? I really want you to to make that personal, like right now. What does love require of you today what does love require of you now what does love require of you in your relationships what does love require of you in your neighborhood what does love require of you in this community what does love require of you today in this church what does love require of you right now you have to ask that you have to pursue that amen I want to challenge you once again, just like I shared with you last week. This next moment right here, we're not done just because I've dropped a mic on you. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to to hopefully encourage you in the word of God to keep looking at Jesus, to make it easier for you to know Jesus and to help you grow in a relationship with Christ. But so all of us here, this is that moment. This is that time. All right. Not for you to get, oh, sermon's over. Let's go. I got that burrito on the donkey. Let's get going. All right. That's not that time. This is a time of reflection. This is a time to pursue renewal. So as we share this amazing song, Waymaker, I want you to just kind of take this moment. Don't just leave and book, all right? I want you to take this moment and pursue God right here. Amen.